This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today's guest, Kirby Velarde, is a versatile lead guitarist who plays rock, blues, jazz, and gospel. Raised in Alexandria, Virginia, he comes from a musical family with parents who played music six days a week to support the family. At age six, Kirby started playing drums, and at age nine, he started playing the guitar. The family moved to Denver, Colorado in 1980. For years, Kirby played secular music in many venues, and one day God said, play music for me. Although he still plays jazz and supports musicians in selected secular venues, he also plays gospel for Heritage Christian Center in Denver, a congregation that has had up to 10,000 people and whose music has been heard in 150 million homes. In addition, he plays for award-winning gospel music great Kurt Carr, who is known for such hits as In the Sanctuary, For Every Mountain, and Awesome Wonder. The best introduction of Kirby Velarde is through his music. So let's watch Kirby in action and hear a sample now. Today, may be a good day to watch the show on YouTube or through our Raven International Media Television Network under Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership, because you'll be able to see and hear Kirby. If you're listening to the Voice of Leadership audio podcast version, you will still hear Kirby play his music. So let's listen now.
Kirby, welcome to the Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, delighted. We just heard a wonderful musical selection. Tell us a little bit about that song, what we just heard. What does this song mean to you? Well, it had a really good feel to me. It, it, it was inspirational. And uh, I wanted to rehearse to that song, practice on some of my scales to it. And uh, so I just basically laid down uh, some leads to it and gave it a melody and enjoyed it. And hopefully you guys do too. Absolutely. In fact, let me say something about enjoying your music. My husband and I have heard you live many times up in Denver at the Soil Dove when you're playing with jazz artists, which is my husband's favorite music. And I have to say, Kirby, you are a truly gifted musician. Everything you play, we love. I appreciate that. Yeah, and we really enjoy it when you get a chance to do one of your solo riffs on in some of these shows. I can hear the rock influence and I can hear the blues influence and it's just phenomenal. You go into your own zone. So just know <laughs> that we are two of your big fans. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. So let me ask this, because I know that when many artists come to Denver, they, they purposefully look for you as a lead guitarist. What do you think makes you a favorite of artists who come to Denver? God's favor. <laughs> Say more about that, God's favor. That's a great answer. Say more about that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of great guitar players out there. You know, I just uh, pray before I play. And, uh, you know, I just wrap myself up in uh, this style. So if I get a call from a jazz artist, I focus on jazz music. And that if I get a call from a blues artist, I focus on blues. So I really dive into the style of what artists I'm playing for. I rehearse it and rehearse it. Uh, I try to get good and prayed up before the show. And I think God blesses me and allows me to touch people through my playing. That's phenomenal. So, yeah, that obviously is working. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. But yeah, that's uh, you know basically how I prepare for an artist when I get a call. I just uh, I dive into their music and I just listen to just that music up until that time of that show. Try to get as authentic with the style as I can. Hopefully you, know, you guys like it. <laughs> absolutely. I have the sense that there's a lot of what I'll call internal preparation. And part of it is spiritual, like you say, being prayed up in advance. And then part of it is just, I'll say the technical part of the craft is rehearsing, it's listening, it's immersing yourself in the genre that you're going to be playing. And this is also what makes you unique, Kirby, because some people only play one genre. In your case, you can play multiple genres. And it's just like, I'll say for me, if I go to a foreign country, like let's say where they speak French, which is my favorite foreign language, I immerse myself in French on the airplane before I get there so that when I step off the plane, I'm ready to go. So it reminds me of what you're saying. You're immersed in blues, jazz, or whatever you're going to be playing, and that way you're ready. Having watched you on stage, I would also say you have a unique ability to be very humble to play what you need to play to support the mainline artists, whoever that is. And yet when it's time for you to play your solos, you're ready for that too. You can go lead or you can be in the background. <laughs> and again, not everybody can do that very effectively. Uh, I appreciate that. And that's, it's very important to continuing to get work. You have to know how to back up an artist. 
you know, not every show is your show. So you got to keep that in mind and uh, just do what you can to, as a team player to make the artist stand out. That's it. Being a team player, that is huge. So now, Kirby, I know that you grew up in a musical family. So tell us a little bit about your parents, their music, and how you grew up. Well, my dad, he played for several different artists. He played for a guitar player. Um, his name was Danny Gatton back in D.C., uh, who was ended up being really famous. My dad played harp for him. He did several different things. And then he ended up getting a band together with my mom, who's an incredible singer as well. And then they played six nights a week, toured down the East Coast all the time. And yeah, I used to go watch them play at this concert hall uh, called City Limits. And uh, I used to go crawl up in my dad's bass drum while they were practicing. <laughs> and yeah, I just loved the feel of the hit from the drum. But anyway, so I, I started playing drums first. I wanted to be like dad, obviously. And yeah, when I turned uh, nine years old, my dad's guitar player, I was just drawn to that, uh, watching him play and seeing the lights behind them and the marshal and so I wanted to be a rock player so that's when I started playing guitar but uh, to get back to what you asked me so their band played raised us you know six nights a week great parents loving parents brought us up in music and my older brother used to drum he uh, decided to stop playing drums and pursued sports but me and my sister my sister's a phenomenal singer we kind of stuck with it that's pretty much the whole deal. And then dad came out here, wanted to move us out here. And uh, his biological father was out here. So that's why we came to Colorado. So he pursued music again out here. And uh, I took off and started playing with uh, my mom and dad, their band, when I was 14 years old. Started playing with them and doing events and things like that with them. And uh, we still play every once in a while together. But that band... Uh, Everybody's ready to retire. <laughs> My parents, that is. So I'm carrying the flame. So back in Washington, in the Washington, D.C. area in Virginia, what genre of music were your parents playing? They did a lot of different stuff. They did different projects. Uh, they did disco and a top 40 band. And then they did like rock, a lot of original stuff. My dad wrote tons of original stuff back then. and did really good showcases and he did really well. The band was called Sundown. So they were really popular back in the 70s out there on the East Coast. My dad was a drummer and lead singer. Uh, my mom was a lead singer. She played flute and different things. But uh, they did all, every style of music for whatever they needed to back then. But when you're raising kids, and I know this, you do what you got to do to bring food home to the table. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good childhood. I'm very blessed. So it sounds like you have truly gotten the, what I would call the family gift also, <laughs> being raised in that environment. And then like your father, you played the drums for a while, and then you went on to the lead guitar. Your sister's a singer like your mother. What about you and your sister? Do the two of you ever collaborate and do anything together? We do a few things, yeah. And she would come out and sing with us when our, well, we had a family band together we for years, and we would just play around town here and doing parties, private parties, things like that. Or we'd play out on decks for different, you know, restaurants or whatever. And, and yeah, we, we played together for ever since we were kids. Yeah. Any, any more now though, mom and dad's kind of settling in. They're like, you know, you take over the reins and go play, but dad still comes out and we still record. So we're still doing albums. We're about to start a new CD here pretty soon. We're working on it. So 
That's great. Make sure you let us know when the CD comes out so that we can promote that and let people know about it and they can purchase the the new CD that's coming. So now I understand you saying that you were in the bass drum and you liked what that (laughs) felt like as a little kid. And then you started playing drums and then somehow you got into this guitar thing. So how did you determine that the guitar was really going to be your instrument as opposed to the drums? And do you still sometimes play the drums? Yeah, I still play drums. I play keys. I play bass. So when I'm writing stuff down here, for the most part, I'll just use a drum track, but I still play drums. I'll put the bass parts down, keyboard parts down, and then I'll play the guitar when I'm writing stuff. And then I'll go in and have my friends who do that, you know, that's all they do. Like, I'll call a bass player that I know and a keyboard player that I know that are really good and have them do the final tracks and stuff. But I still play enough to write stuff and uh, do my own thing for the most part. That's amazing that you actually are talented enough to do that. And you can do your own practices, if you will, and then bring in the other experts as needed and when you're ready for the final. So not many people can claim that. So that's pretty amazing in and of itself. So Kirby, tell me a little bit about the spiritual climate in your home. To what extent were your parents believers? Were you guys churchgoers? What was that like as you were growing up? So my parents were always believers. My mom would take us when we could. Our next door neighbor was a believer as well. My parents, of course, they're, they, they're playing and they're not getting home until 1.32 in the morning. And sometimes they're out of town. Um, so we went to church with our, our neighbor. So my mom made sure that we made it to church and back. And then we would, you know, we'd talk about God all the time in the house growing up. And, you know, she would teach us stuff from the Bible. They were believers. And I'm so thankful for that because there's so many people who are musicians that are not. And, uh, and that's a part of where I try to talk to other players and musicians and, you know, try to talk to them about God and try to get them involved, knowing who Jesus is. That's really great. And so in childhood, you were exposed. And even if your parents weren't around, you went to church with neighbors. What was your own personal relationship and connection with God like in those early years of childhood? And as you were growing up, would you say that you knew God or you knew about God only? How would you characterize it? I knew God. I knew he was real. My mom and dad, they've always talked to us about God. And my mom would she would read scripture to us and all of that. But as a kid, I didn't get out of it as much as I probably should have or could have. I was an ADHD kid. When I was going to, you know, the church, Sunday morning church, I didn't really pay attention as much as I should have. It was more like a fun going to school kind of thing for me. So I wish I would have been able to pay more attention. And my parents' jobs, they couldn't get us to church and with what they were doing. And so it was kind of hard. But I don't fault them at all because they constantly talk to me about God and and Jesus. And I knew who Jesus was as a kid. Growing up, I didn't, I wasn't in church every single Sunday. My parents lived a life of secular music, but they believed Jesus. They knew Jesus. They taught us about Jesus. But I went to Sunday school a little bit that way. When I got older, I kind of fell off (laughs) and uh, backslid a lot. But I'll tell you, when I really came to Jesus was out here in Colorado. I had backslid, and I've always known that Jesus was, and I and I believed in my heart, Jesus died and saved. You know, he's my savior. But the turning point for me was I was managing a music store. An employee there invited me to his church to play. 
And I said, I would love to do that. I just immediately felt like that's something I, I need to do. I want to do that for God. So I went to the church uh, when I was supposed to, and he was quitting the store. He was moving to Dallas. So I get to the church, all my equipment loaded up on the cart, roll it in. And I said, yeah, I'm here. Uh, Jeremy Green asked me to come and play, and I want to do that. And they said, well, Jeremy already moved. And Jeremy didn't bother telling me that he was moving early, and he did. So I'm standing there with all of my gear, my guitar on my back, ready to play for God. He says, well, Jeremy moved. And I said, well, okay. So I turned around, started walking out, walked all the way back up, got to the doors. And then it was just hit me hard. I was like, I want to play for God. I want to do this. So I turned around, walked all the way back in. And I said, yeah, I know Jeremy's not here, but I would still like to play if I could. All right, now pause right there. This is a great story. And I know it has another component to it. Before we finish the story, I'd like to play another segment of your music. So we're going to play another song and then have you talk about that. And we'll finish the story on the backside of that. a little bit about what we just heard Kirby tell us a little bit about that okay so that song was a fun song it's a nice backing track um I heard it and I was like oh I can I can play something to this this will be fun I had just put in JBE pickups into that guitar and I wanted to show off those pickups the tone of them and uh that was a good song it those pickups have a good rock sound to them I, I really wanted to uh enjoy the sound of that guitar and love the backing track. So I came up with a melody and played over it and uh, it felt good. So now so, for those who may not be musicians in just everyday language, what are those pickups that you're talking about? So those are JBE pickups. They're owned by Zion Guitars. 
I endorsed Zion guitars and JBE pickups. That wasn't a Zion guitar, but I was showing off the pickups, the JBE pickups in that guitar, which is a Charvel. What is a pickup? Um, just so people know. So the pickups are, okay, so they come in different configurations. On that guitar, there's two of them. So they're the black rectangle things there in the middle of it. So those are the pickups. Then there's a switch that switches between those two pickups. And then I can get it, it gets technical, <laughs> but those are what pick up the sound of the strings and bring it out through the amp. So you got to have pickups to make a guitar work. So that's what they, that's what they do. They pick up this, this sound vibration from the strings and the sound comes out through the amp. Okay. Thank you for that description because those who are not musicians <laughs> may not have a clue of what you're talking about. So right, I was trying to figure out how I was going to explain that, but yeah. All right, so good. So this was a fun song. You wanted to show off these pickups and you just said, okay, let me just lay down a few tracks and play that, which is one of your gifts is what you do. So back to the story of this church, in a similar way, you're walking out the door and then you say, wait a minute, I can do something with this. I can take it maybe to the next level. So what happened next in that story? Well, I, I just walked back down there and I, I, I told the guy it was really heavy on my heart that I wanted to play for God. And uh, I hadn't done that before. I'd never played in the church before. So it hit me like a ton of bricks when I got to the doors walking out. I was like, no, I really want to do this. So I went back, told him, I said, I, I really want to play, play, for, play for God if that's okay. And he's like, sure. So I did. And uh, funny thing is, is uh, wasn't even a week later, well, they called me back to go play again, but then they wanted me to play on drums because uh, their drummer couldn't make it. And I told them that I played drums. <laughs> so they took a chance on me playing drums and I went and played drums. And then, then I've played, you know, back and forth guitar drums there for probably about uh, six months. And then I needed the drummer for a show that I was doing. So this is all going to tie into Heritage Christian Center. So I, I needed to do uh, a, a show and I, called a drummer. I went into a drum shop, Rubs Drums, and looked for a drummer. Got a name. His name is James Hill. Uh, called him up, came down, uh, rehearsed with us. Phenomenal drummer. Best drummer I'd ever heard. He said he played at Heritage Christian Center. Well, we did the show and all that, and uh, he called me and said, look, I want to get you in at Heritage Christian Center. This was back in 2000. From that moment on, I've been playing at Heritage Christian Center ever since up to, to now. Yeah, God really moved in, in my life after making that decision that I want to play for you and went back down there at that church and played for God. He turned my life around at that point. You know, and this is amazing because I know you still play secular music as well, and you play gospel music. And in your case, God said you can do both. In some people's cases, they move from secular to gospel or and they don't do both. You actually do both. So that's a double blessing that he allowed you to keep both hats, so to speak. Say yes. something about once you started playing for God and you had that clear sense of hearing from God that he wanted you to play for him, how has your life shifted because now you're doing this in addition to what you were doing before? It's been awesome. It's been awesome. You know, there's some funny things that have happened. I uh, started playing at Heritage, and this was going off of my rock and blues background, which uh, wasn't really fitting what they did. <laughs> uh, 
And actually, the uh, music minister that was there had released me three different times because my lack of styles at that time. I was a blues rock player trying to play R&B, jazz, everything. But God said, no, I'm going to have them there. So I, they called me back every time. And then within five years, I'm playing with one of the biggest gospel artists on the earth <laughs> with Kirk Carr. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, you know, you put your faith where you need it and God will elevate you to, to heights that uh, you didn't think were possible. Yeah. So I think that part about God really elevating you and opening the doors, because I just want to punctuate this thing you said. In my words, you got kicked out of Heritage Christians three times, and yet you couldn't stay gone because it was God's purpose. God and ordained me to be there. Be there. Yeah. And so they had to keep calling you back. They had to keep right. calling you back, you know, each time. To me, that's a very profound part of your story. I love that story. People get concerned. If it's a door you're supposed to walk through, then you will walk through it. God opens it for you. And even if man closes it, God can reopen it. And that's how I see the heritage Christian experience in your case. Now, Kurt Carr had something to do with heritage too. Tell us about that. So Kurt Carr uh, was hired to come in and uh, get our choir on track. Choir just needed help. It needed more members or we wanted more members rather than it needed more members, but uh, we just wanted it to, to sound really full. And Kurt Carr was the best in the business. So uh, they brought him in and uh, it was, it was awesome. And he heard me play and don't get me wrong. The times that I were, was released and came back, I had to work. Faith is dead without works. God gave me the opportunities, but I had to put mine in. So I had to work and I worked hard to, to learn gospel, to learn jazz, to learn all the different styles that were necessary. And to play for Kirk Carr, you have to know it, all that stuff. So I worked really hard. So when Kirk Carr got there and was working with the choir and all that, um, he noticed my playing. Yeah, it was after he finished with the choir that I got a phone call to fly out to L.A. to, to record some tracks for Kirk just to kind of see how I sounded with his, with his sound and stuff. And uh, it wasn't too Two uh, weeks later that he called me to go to uh, Houston to record the Just the Beginning album. So that's how that went down. But yeah, been playing with him ever since. I think that is just amazing. And I love what you said about the faith and the works. We get the gifts from God, and yet we also still have to hone those gifts. We have to sharpen whatever God has given us. And just like you said, when artists come to Denver and they're looking for you because they know that you are going to immerse yourself in their genre of music. They know you're going to practice, you're going to rehearse. And what you're saying is though you were not a gospel kind of guy, you had to learn gospel. You couldn't just say, oh, well, I, I'm a great lead guitar. I play rock. I play blues. So I should be good. I should be okay. You knew you had to do the extra work and learn the differences and the nuances of the gospel music with some jazz influence and blues influence as well. You know, yeah. I'm thinking back, Kirby, there in our church, there was a guy some years ago, he played the lead guitar and he was really from a rock background. And every so often, if I happened to be there during a rehearsal, I would hear the minister of music say, okay, now wait a minute, we're playing gospel right now. Cause he would start playing kind of rock like. And she right have to remind him to get back on the gospel the gospel <laughs> track if you will so you probably know something about that oh yeah yep and fortunately for me i mean i grew up with a blues background as well as rock so uh hendrix stevie ray 
B.B. King, all those guys, I love their playing. And in gospel music, blues is really embedded, rooted in to gospel music. So that's what kept me around in the beginning times when I was like, oh, well, Kirby Day is a killer blues player, you know, and gospel is a lot of blues stuff. So, so I think the blues kept me in the door. Uh, and then I had to hone out the rest to, to get to where I was. Yeah, that's wonderful. And as you know, my favorite music is gospel and then secondarily blues because of that connection. There's a similarity there. And that's where I sort of, my joy comes from listening to to both of those genres in a great way. So who else would you say were your influences along the way? Name some people that as you were even young, childhood, adulthood, other musicians from the past or people that it just inspired you. Who were they? Well, for different styles, there's different players. Two players really come to mind for gospel. And that's Darnell Showcase out of Raleigh, North Carolina. He's killer. He showed me some great gospel chops. Um, Rick Watford, who I met recording on the first album, just the beginning with Kirk Carr. Phenomenal gospel player. So I've actually had the privilege of learning from some of the best players out there for gospel music or just listening to them and trying to pick up the gospel chops and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they're great players. And then in the rock world, ever since I was little, my mom turned me on to a guitar player named Steve I. So he's like, Steve I's killer. I mean, I listen to Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> so many rock guitar players. And then uh, a guitar player, the chords, I love his chords, Eric Johnson plays beautiful chords. So I learned a lot of my chords from Eric Johnson. Jonathan DeBose for another guitar player for gospel music that I'd, I'd listened to to try and figure out some of the things that he was doing to incorporate into my own playing. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, those guys are pretty much my heroes. Joe Satriani on the rock side. So there, there's there's lots of guitar players that I love. I love Wes Montgomery, jazz guitar player, Frank Bali, jazz fusion player. So I've listened to all these players growing up and tried to incorporate my favorite players into my own style, pulling from some of theirs. And a lot of people can hear they're like, oh, wait, I heard that's an Alan Holdsworth lick. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, probably right. <laughs> so, yeah, I just uh, listen to a lot of players and uh, the things that I love that they do, I'll take and try and mold into my own thing and come up with my own stuff. And that's how you kind of create your own style. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to have role models and people that we can pay attention to who are doing great work that inspires us. And mm -hmm. then we can take it to our own unique distinction or to the next level. So while we're talking about this and you've been talking, you've mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan a couple of times, and I know you've done a song that's a tribute to him. And we want to play that song now just so people get a feel for it. And of course, this is one of my favorites that you've played because it's kind of very bluesy and I, and I love the blues. So we're going to play it and then we'll talk about it after it plays.
right, Kirby, we just heard this great song. Lenny, your tribute to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Tell us about this song. Tell us about Stevie Ray Vaughan. Whatever you want to say, the blues. Tell us about it. Well, Stevie Ray Vaughan has always been probably my biggest hero in blues music. Love the guy he plays with heart. He was uh, definitely, in my opinion, probably the best blues guitarist of all time just because he's played so modern, but yet his roots are so deep in the blues of the old blues. I mean, he was the whole package. Yeah, I wanted to sound like him, be like him. <laughs> Used to have a hat like him. <laughs> Anyways, Lenny was a song that Stevie Ray Vaughan wrote for his wife a long time ago, and uh, I just love the sound of that song, but I wanted to change it up and bring my own style of playing to it. So I kind of did my own rendition of it in honor of him after he had passed. So I, I started playing uh, Lenny as a tribute to Stevie Ray Vaughan. But, Fantastic. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. When you think back over into the past, how would you say that you first heard blues and got into it? And, you know, your parents were playing some eclectic things as well. I mean, with rock and blues and then jazz and then ultimately with gospel, what was the attraction factor for you? If I can feel it, I want to play it. If I can't feel it, I don't want nothing to do with it. So I have to, my heart, it has to connect with me spiritually. And a lot of people are like, well, why aren't you playing country and all of that? Sorry, I don't feel it. <laughs> some of the licks are neat, you know, some of the licks are neat that they do, but I, I just don't feel that, so... You know, I do what I need to do to go out and do a show. I don't dislike really any music. I can find creativity in, in any style. Things I connect with the most spiritually that just I'm linked with, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I, I dabble into everything. Okay. You dabble into a little bit, of, which is clear. I, I get that picture. Since you play at Heritage Christian and you also play with Kurt Carr, what's the difference in playing with Kurt Carr and his group versus playing at Heritage Christian? How are those experiences similar or different? Playing with Kurt is, you know, it's a feeling. It is so awesome playing with Kurt Carr. At my church, too, at Heritage, I mean, we got the best musicians in both bands. It's like the best musicians you're ever going to get in gospel music. So I enjoy all of them. With Kurt Carr, he's got so many great hits at church. You know, it's uh, it's phenomenal. What I like about Kurt is when we're doing concerts or whatever, the flow is just, uh, it's uncompared. You can't compare it to anything else. It's a spiritual thing that's just, it's just so overwhelming. Playing with those guys and, and Kurt's songs, his songwriting is it's amazing. So uh, that's probably the highlight of my career was playing with Kurt Carr. I happen to love his song, In the Sanctuary. I could sing that all day. It's just one of my favorites. It's killer. We do a medley. When we'd go over to Japan, uh, we put together a medley with that song and a few others. And it was the coolest. I can't explain it to you. You'd have to hear it. But it was the coolest thing. But yeah, that song, we really made that. We amped that tune up, Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, very cool. But I love Heritage. I mean, great band, great music. Uh, we got Steve Lawrence over there leading it. And he's awesome. So yeah, the whole the whole thing is just it's just awesome. Kurt Carr, I don't know how to say it. It's it's different. It's just different. I mean, we're playing for God and everything, and both bands are incredible. But when you're playing with Kurt, there's just a feeling 
how things flow and how i mean he's just such a genius <laughs> it's it's amazing so maybe i'll ask this question in this way once you started playing gospel and that includes heritage that includes kurt carr and wherever else you might play what would you say that you have learned in music as a result as a person how has it taken you even to a new place and level music is really my biggest connection with god with jesus more than words uh because your heart is feeling through music and my communication well i've learned playing if you want to play on the platform of like a heritage christian center or with an artist like kurt carr i've learned that you have to be 100 in a pro you have to put the time in because if you do not you will not stay on that platform if you get there so I've learned a lot about that. Yeah, you definitely have to put the work in uh, because when you're playing for God and you, you want to be on an elite platform reaching people for God, you have to be at that level spiritually and through your instrument. You have to you have to be at that level, the best level you can get to. You know, sometimes people mistakenly think that they can hide the fact that they might not be at the right level, whether it's spiritually or musically in their lives. And yet somehow the people around you who are doing this every day and who are all in, they can tell the difference. Yeah, everyone can worship and everyone's worship is accepted by God. I mean, if your heart's in it, say you're a guitar player and you're not that good, God's still going to accept your worship. Mm -hmm. but you got to realize if that's not your calling and you're just doing that and you're worshiping through that, and that's great. But when it's your calling, you know that, and you want to give God your most best excellence that you can. And if you're called to play guitar for God, you're going to be at that level and you're going to, and if you're not, you're going to work that hard to get there and you have the ability to do it. So if you have the ability to do it and you are gifted like that, then there's no reason why you should uh, go all the way and to play on that kind of a platform you have to get there or you just won't you won't stay there <laughs> there were a lot of stepping stones along the way and i'll say with the heritage christian center in particular and sort of like they would say no don't come back no don't come back in between each of those times and sometimes they were very short like i know 24 hours or whatever it is you committed yourself though to becoming that person who has god's gift and yet you're raising your level up to the platform that he's given you. And say more about what it took for you to do that. Because you already had the experience of, okay, these artists are coming into town, whether it be rock, blues, whatever, and I got to get with it. But in this gospel sense, you had to do the same thing. Tell us about what that was like. It was a lot of work. I literally had to go for that style and really focus on gospel. I had to put the time into just really focusing on doing what I needed to do to keep up with these keyboard players because these keyboard players, they're insane. I mean, they, they can play so good and, and all the chords and all of that. So I really had to focus on my weak points to keep up. And it, it took me a while, like, like I said, three different times to where I could get up and, and you know, compliment what they're doing and uh, really accept that style of playing because it's a whole different style of playing than rock or just blues, you got jazz, R&B, and I didn't come from that background. I came from blues and rock, so it, that wasn't enough. I needed to 
really hone in on the, the weak points of my playing. You so. know, it's so interesting. It makes me think about people who are doing a sport. Maybe the person's a runner or whatever it is, the practice that's involved, or if they're a gymnast, the hours that a person spends that people don't even see. And it's not just that, okay, I've got this concert in an hour. Let me play a little bit of music. No, we're talking days. We're talking hours. We're talking sometimes months to really get ready. And you're saying, if you really want to be serious at whatever your craft is, you have to put in, I'll say, labor of love. That this is the time that's involved is what I'm hearing you talk about. Yeah, it's, it's not enough just to have the gift. Yes. Faith without works is dead. <laughs> it's like you said. So you have to, with the uh, gift, you have to work hard. I mean, and it depends on where you want to go. If, if you want to go to the top, yeah, you got to, it's like anything else in life that you do, you have to put your all into it. So what's next for you? Because you're kind of like hanging out at the top in many ways right now. So what else is maybe on the horizon? You know, um, did five world tours, been around the world, and I've seen a lot, played arenas, enjoyed playing in Africa. Be honest with you, right now I'm happy staying home, <laughs> not going out into the world in this day and age with all the craziness going on. I'm doing good here recording for different artists. I record here at home with my studio behind me, and I record for different artists all over the country. And that and playing church and uh you know i've achieved some really cool things i got a really good endorsement that video that i did of lenny that that was specifically to get endorsed i did that for endorsements to try and get my name out there and uh, play some good instruments and my friend gary rosen he owns guitar x uh, music store anyways he has lots of dealers that he's friends with or whatever and he sent a video that video of me playing so I got several options and offers for endorsements. And I decided to go with uh, Zion Guitars and Bluto Tone Amps. So that's who I'm with now. Absolutely so, wonderful. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? Because who knows, somebody may have an offer out there that's good enough to get you back on the road or to do something in Denver. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to? They can reach me at Kirby, K-I-R-B-Y dot Velarde, V-E-L-A-R-D-E at yahoo.com. And I'm also on Facebook. They can reach me, Kirby Velarde on Facebook. And people can also reach out to your YouTube channel and subscribe there as well. Is that true? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So they can also reach you on YouTube. That's phenomenal. So Kirby, We've been talking about what it means to be elite in whatever level you're in and to take it to the next level. And my community are corporate executives. They're leading at the top of the house in these large global corporations. And you've shared a lot in this segment already about what it takes to take your gift and to practice it and to polish it and to hone it, to be ready to be in those venues. What other words of wisdom do you have for my community of corporate executives and what they do that could be helpful? You got to put the time in. You got to put the time in because you're only going to go as far as you allow yourself to go. You got to be hungry and you got to put the work in. And then even when you do that, you know, that's when you need God's faith because there's always someone else out there putting in the same work, trying to reach the same goal you are. 
So you got a lot of people who are doing the same thing. And then that's where your spiritual, you know, your spirituality comes in, your relationship with Jesus. You know, you got to keep a good relationship, God. And uh, with that and with all your dedication, God will always make sure that you come out where you need to be. I love that. And you know what, Kirby? Not only does it take that to get there, it also takes that same formula to stay there. Because mm-hmm. you could lapse and not do well and not really fulfill the calling in your life that God has for you wherever you are. These corporate executives are in those positions to do a profound work of God because of who they are, just like you are. And so therefore they have to stay connected to him, as you're saying, and also really hone the gifts that God has given them. So I thank you for saying that and for putting it that way. So Kirby, I'm just so delighted that you've been with me here so far today. And as you know, I'm a big fan. I love your music and I want you to be introduced to many other people. And so as we're starting to close the show, after I read the final Bible verse today, we're going to hear some music from you that's kind of in the bluesy genre, if you will. Tell us about that song. Uh, that song has got a great groove on it. And uh, I wanted to lay down a nice melody over top of it. Yeah, just vibe. It's a good vibe song. I just enjoyed the sound of it, the beat of it. And I just wanted to lay down a nice melody and just uh, hope everyone else can catch the vibe of it. Yeah, they, it, they'll be not alive if they can't catch the vibe on this. And I love the way you feel your music and that's how you show up with whatever you've created based on what you feel. And so thank you for that. And thank you for being here. And yes, everyone enjoy the vibe after we close today. So thank you, Kirby. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Delighted to have you. So today we're going to close the show with uh, two verses that come from Psalm 33 And it's verses two and three. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. So no matter what your gift is and what God has given you, make sure that you also own that gift. Work it and play skillfully for the Lord.
Today, I'm here with Terrence Chapman, the president and CEO of nonprofit organization Victorious Family. They are committed to family discipleship and transformation. Thank you for being here, Terrence. Tell us about your big goal, what it is that you're going for at Victorious Family. Well, by 2030, we see reaching 9.2 million families here in the U.S. That is wonderful. And you're reaching these families because you really want to see children grow up and truly continue their faith in Christ. So tell us about one of your resources. Do your children believe the book you've written? Well, Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers don't exasperate your children, but to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we're just being faithful to that calling. In order to do that, we train coaches and we provide workshops and content to train parents on how to disciple their children. That is phenomenal. So how can people find out more about the ministry and the other tools and resources you have available and also how they can donate to support the ministry? Well, one of those tools is Do Your Children Believe, a book that we've published by Thomas Nelson. And you can find that at victoriousfamily.org. Fantastic. All right. So there you have it. You want your family to be victorious? Go to victoriousfamily.org. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.